Buenos dias. It is such a joy to be back. For many of us, this is an alma mater. For me, it's multiple times. My parents are 1964 graduates. And so it is with great joy that I honor my mother, who passed five years ago and who waited 30 years for ordination in the PCUSA. And my father, who is not here with us today, though he's here in Virginia, where I live. And so it is in the spirit of these two, but also my grandparents, who also met in seminary, that I bring you fourth generation Presbyterian sermonizing. <laughs> so um, the scripture this morning is from Luke chapter 10, 25, yes, 25 through 37. We've all preached this. And yet, let's see how God reveals God's self yet again. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, yes, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. A man was going down the road to Jericho from Jerusalem and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out a denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you with whatever more you spend. With this three, who do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robber? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Let us pray. La palabra del Señor no vuelve a él vacía. Amén. Amén. Si nosotros nos calláramos, las piedras hablarían. Amén. Amén. 
May the word of our God not return empty. For if we do not cry out, even the stones shall cry out. So the road to Jericho, El Camino. What I didn't read for us this morning is in a few verses right before what we read for today, where Jesus is teaching while in Samaria, and he says to the crowd, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. And then a lawyer stood up and said to Jesus, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And after all that, Jesus says, well, do this and you will live. We can almost hear Jesus saying, well, it's not really about who is your neighbor. It's who are you a neighbor to? So then he tells the story. And the story begins with a man, meaning a person, a living creature, a child of God, a sibling of the incarnate God who you're witnessing right here, right? A person like you and I was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell in the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. The one who showed mercy, go and do likewise. Now, we have all in this room pretty much read the commentaries, retold this story from every possible angle of each character, what a denarii is, what the road was like, what the different teachings could be, the ethics behind it, the social context. So I'm not preaching anything new here. But I'll confess that each time I hear this story and I hear the description of what this road is like, my reaction is, I have been on that road. I have been on that road because when I was growing up, we lived on the border between Venezuela and Colombia, and there is a road from the Andes that goes down to Jericho, otherwise known as Cucuta, Colombia, where robbers beat and strip people and leave them for dead. And when I was growing up, these robbers, right, because we've even preached on who were the robbers, right? We're not only just poor people from Colombia, because at that time, Venezuela had wonderful economy, and Colombia did not. They were also paramilitaries and guerrillas and all kinds of other folk who had roadblocks, and if you were traveling alone, you might get hurt. So I have been on that road, it's because I remember going on this road week in and week out to do our groceries and we would have to leave early in the day so we wouldn't be caught in the dark coming back because this road exists quite literally quite physically for many of us in many places now today i teach 
I teach undergraduates. And I teach from a method we call testimonio. Testimonio not as we know the testimony, our witness to our faith, but testimonio from what came from the Latin American experience when all people were left with was their story. Right? People escaping all sorts of atrocious wars, torture, etc., and all they were left with was their story, and we listened to those stories in churches in this country, right, during that first sanctuary movement. Testimonial as a method, which reveals that our lived experience brings truth. Our lived experience is a type of epistemology, a way of knowing. It is also a counter-narrative to dominant narratives and ideologies. So when I say I have been on that road, many of us in this room shook our heads, yes. But I'm thinking about roads where I haven't been that maybe you have traveled. That road between Israel, Palestine, or the roads in South Africa between the shanty towns and the dominant area. The road between Mexico and the U.S. on the border. Remember, this story is about bias. It is about evil among humanity. Before we were doing analyses about white supremacy, we had cultural bias. And we see this story as a test. One teacher testing another. Do you really know the orthodox response to this? And let us remember that racism is structural, not relational. So how we behave is because we have a system that allows us to do this. So today I want us to reclaim the road from the story that Jesus tells in Samaria. Samaria synonymous with the margins, with those living in chaos. Telling the story to those on the margins and to the teacher of the law, who represents the other side, the established order. In this story, I hear a narrative move that I'm going to call contrapunto, right? Contrapunto, rhetorical talk back and forth, right? A metaphorical language, right? And it reminds me of Florentino y el Diablo, a Venezuelan popular song. Something similar to that here would be the devil went down to Georgia. We all know this, right? Where there's this battle back and forth, and one teacher's asking the other, and the devil says, now you play a pretty good fiddle boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, because I think I'm better than you. I hear that lawyer. I think I'm better than you. So when we talk about race and we talk about poverty, right, what stories do we tell? I'll tell you one story. We're going to read um, soon after parts of the Belhar Confession, or the Confession of Belhar, which was adopted by the PCUSA not too long ago. 
And it's a confession about Christian unity, reconciliation, and justice in the middle of some of the worst racism and poverty we have experienced. Or is it? Well, the worst at that time. Unity, reconciliation, and justice, the road to Jericho. For those who travel it daily, it reminds us how when people think that they're better than others, we cause systemic injustice. In that context, how do we proclaim that we must do unto others out of mercy? compassion, a sense of justice. Where do we learn this if we live in these systems? James Baldwin famously said, we can disagree and still love each other. Unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. In that context, to continue with my testimonio, when I was growing up, there was a song that became famous that talked about the people who live in the shanty towns in what is now Latin America. And it begins, Que triste se oye la lluvia en los techos de cartón. Qué triste vive mi gente en las casas de cartón. Viene bajando el obrero, casi arrastrando sus pasos por el peso del sufrir. Mira que mucho el sufrir, mira que pesa el sufrir. Arriba, deja la mujer preñada, abajo está la ciudad y se pierde en su mañana. Hoy, hoy es lo mismo que ayer, es su vida. Sin mañana. Qué triste se oye la lluvia en las casas de cartón. Qué lejos pasa la esperanza de los techos de cartón. The man who authored and sang this when I was growing up was an Afro-Venezuelan singer. And he sings about those people who live on those margins, the Samaritans of the 20th century, this was. Those who live in the shanting towns outside of the main part of the city, those where suffering rolls down like rain on cardboard shantytown rooftops the poorest of the poor. It is a song that describes the journey of the most exploited and racialized working person. A person whose promise of tomorrow is not a hopeful tomorrow. 
In this song, the children's skin tone is the same as the tone of the land, their scars also. These children are millionaires, but millionaires in parasites. This song is about the contradictions between the patron, the so-called owner of the land, the boss, and those in the shanty towns of Latin America, the two-thirds majority. If we think about the southern part of our globe, we're also talking about the two-thirds majority. This song is about Jericho and relationships to Jerusalem. It is about the road to Jericho. How might we recognize the plight of those who suffer? Tragedy, illness, imprisonment, loneliness, segregation, despair. Because, see, we've preached this and we know the road to Jericho as a symbol of how we travel through life. Described by Josephus, and I will say also by Ali Primera and by Antonio Machado's Caminante No Hay Camino, as a difficult road, one in which those that walk may never walk on those footsteps again, but follow someone else's, a teacher that has authority. The road to Jericho is symbolic. It is a metaphor for life, for our journey through life. But as a narrative, this story is contrapuntal rhetorical play on who's the teacher and who has authority. But as I've just described, this road to Jericho is much more than a metaphor in general. As I said, every time I hear this story of the Good Samaritan, my counter-narrative brain says, yeah, that means that everybody else was considered to be a bad Samaritan. <laughs> and I say to myself, I have been there. So how do we bring those roads that I just described that are so far away in Venezuela and Colombia and Palestine and South Africa here? In this time of all times, in this divided time, what kinds of roads and geographical borders are we on? What sorts of walls, theological and physical, do we sit on? sit on the fence when it comes to racism, sexism, homophobia, gun violence, global warming, economic injustice, immigration. These are roads like that country road where Sandra Bland was beaten and left, detained and then left not for dead but dead and deemed suicide. Roads like where the Me Too movement has picked up the beaten and violated bodies of others while denouncing the powerful violators. Roads like where the LGBTQ community, specifically the trans community, is discriminated against and beaten in the streets and other public spaces 
including public restrooms, while entire faith groups and church denominations deny their humanity and worth in the eyes of God. Roads like the path taken by the youth of Parkland High School in organizing against gun violence, specifically school shootings. Last year was the highest number of school shootings in record. Roads like the youth taking Fridays off from school across the globe to demand that adults put policies and plans in action to stop the destruction of our planet. Roads like the path taken by the new Poor People's Campaign to tackle the divisions and inequalities that have always been part of the fabric of this nation. Roads like the caravans of frightened refugees and asylum seekers fleeing the global wars of violence and being ripped from their children who are kept in cages in detention centers on this, the other side. Roads like the ones that lead to the houses of worship getting targeted out of hate. These roads are filled with the beaten, bruised, violated, shot, caged, and maimed bodies of those we are called to be neighbors to. These bodies, these bodies on the roads demand compassion, mercy, pity, above all, love. They demand that we pay their medical care and collective insurance. The bodies of our neighbors demand healing and liberation. Their demand is that we act and that we be their neighbor because we understand mercy and justice and love in action. Jesus demands that we make a way out of no way following those footsteps of the incarnate one who came before us and walked among us and continues to walk with us. Jesus shows that indeed marginalized folks can be good examples, but that all of us together must walk in the light, on the road, next to Jesus, our loving God, who calls us to be compassionate, yes, but to do justice. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Let us follow that winding road of life, walking in the light of God. Let us be the ones who show mercy. Amen.